Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast. And this week we have a terrific guest, a good friend of mine. And in case you can't guess who I'm talking about, he is the winningest 100-mile runner on earth. Welcome, Carl Meltzer. Yeah, thanks, Buzz. Thanks for having me. Uh, first time on the FKT podcast. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you as well. It's been a while since we've had a real conversation. It has been. And of course, we did the FKT of the Year Awards uh, a few months ago. You're a voter in that. And so we get to chat a little bit at that time. But before we get into that, I, you know, of course, you're a famous person, very well-known person, but I'm going to run down the list here very briefly. You're the race director of the Speed Goat 50. And of course, you had the uh, FKT on the Appalachian Trail. You also did the Pony Express, which is, I mean, the, the Pony Express route, literally, which is mm-hmm. really long. And uh, that's, and do you, do you still have a coffee? Of course, I still have a coffee. Speed Goat Carl's 100 Mile Blend. And uh, we actually also have a 2189 blend which oh. is the Appalachian Trail. So it's a little bit, it's just a little bit different, but uh, yeah, two different kinds. And they can, people can go on your website and find that? Yeah, there's a link to it on the website or just Jameson Coffee is where it kind of goes through, but um, I'm sure you can Google it. But but uh, Jameson Coffee is the actual, the roasters of it. Um, okay. Where you would find it too. And they can find it on carlmeltzer.com. That's correct. Okay, so here's the, the, the the singular open this up question how many 100 mile trail races have you won i've won 40 of them i won 40, <laughs> okay. 40 hundred mile trail races in uh 18 years in a row of winning at least one which is kind of i mean it's kind of goes along with the record but you know it's crazy to think about how many years i've been doing this how many i've won and all that thing but then you think of tiger woods he's got 81 golf wins right it's just mm-hmm. taking a long time to accrue those kinds of uh numbers um, and I'm sure that if someone really tried to go after that 40, um, it's possible still. Um, I think things are different these days. People really want to run, want, want to run one fast time and then they, you know, go back again and try to kill it. So it's a little different. I had a different focus when I started trying to win those. I think, um, it wasn't really about, I wasn't caring much about fast times. I just wanted to win. Um, so it's slightly, slightly different these days, but yeah, um, and that it's different be- also in that there's yeah. more opportunity. I remember when I was, did my first 100, I counted every one in the country. There were 13, period. Right. And right. And now there's 160 or something, probably. Maybe more. It was different. When I started, too, I think there was 28. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was Asatch Leadville. There was Hard Rock. There was Western States. There was, you know, a few others, San Diego. Um, but, yeah, now there's, I mean, there's 100 around every corner block, it seems like, right now. And uh, you could certainly you can certainly run one every weekend if you wanted to. Well, I that's I, I don't think I want to do that. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody does. <laughs> <laughs> now you want you will get one under your belt for 2019, but it hasn't quite dropped yet. I see that mm-hmm. you did the Lone Star 100 in Texas in February, second place. Second place is great, but you want the W, and I see mm-hmm. you got something coming up in Idaho in May. And something in La Salle, Utah, in August. So, how how are you thinking about uh, 2019? Um, I kind of did want to win Lone Star, <laughs> but um, but you know, you know, I forget his name offhand. But the guy who beat me, he ran a good race. He ran strong. I ran a little bit faster than last year, so I wasn't really complaining. You know, I've got the Scout Mountain 100. I think it's four weeks from now, four and a half weeks or something. And I'm in decent shape, but I wouldn't call myself super fit. <laughs> 
And I don't see myself as being super fit on race day. I do want to win my 19th year in a row. There's no doubt about it. But I think that, you know, I'm, I'm 51 years old now and there's eventually someday it's all going to end. And I'm sort of at the point where, wow, is it going to end this year or is it going to end next year or, you know, what's going to happen? I mean, I'm going to give it all I can at Scout and I should do okay. Um, I just kind of have to do my thing. You know, I know how to run the race, um, whether I'm in shape or not. I know how to do it. It's just a matter of like, can things click well for me? And I think, you know, I think I'll be in the race to win. Um, and then going forward, the Ute 100 is in August 9th. Uh, again, sort of the same scenario in terms of other competition in the race. And, uh, you know, whatever pans out, pans out. Um, I sort of focused on also some different hundreds as well. Like, you know, I've never run Scout. I've never run Ute. They're newer ones, but I kind of like, as you're a little bit older now, and I'm not certainly not as fast as I used to be or not as competitive in the big races as I used to be, I like to go to other races and, and just see different courses. Um, mm-hmm. I know the Scout Mountain course is great. I volunteered a bunch of times up there. It's fantastic. Uh, the U100, I have not run on that course, but I know the LaSalle Mountains a little. So yeah. um, I'm looking forward to just the different terrain. You know, I think, and if I come out on top, that's fantastic. If I don't, I'm not going to go home with my tail between my legs. I'll just go home and have a, have a beer and think about the next day. So <laughs> well, I'm that, not really, I hope I do well, no doubt. Well, you have a major disadvantage with your age, but also an, mm-hmm. an advantage. So at age 51, well, you slow down. There's just all there is to it. That's how biology works. But on the other hand, if someone who's 25 beats someone who's 51, I mean, you know, what are they hey, going to say? You know, <laughs> what can I say? You know, it's like I, I'm doing what I can. And, and a lot of people say, well, you're still you're still killing it. You're still fast. I'm like, yeah. But, you know, the funny thing, Buzz, is that all my little bread and butter runs around town that I do, the ones in the mountains, um, comparing it to when you're 30 and when you're 50 is a whole different ball game. And you know it as well as I do. That, I do. That, like you said, you just get slower. And that bread and butter run up to whatever reservoir takes an extra seven minutes now or eight minutes or even more. Um, you just sort of have to accept that. But for me now, it's like, I just kind of look at my strategy and my, um, my game plan, if you want to call it that, as to just do my own thing. And, and, you know, I'll do fine if I do my own thing. I can't go out hard and hang with the boys. I mean, it's just forget it. <laughs> so I just kind of have to wait for those guys to come back to me if they get out ahead. And that's kind of how I have to race these days if I think I'm going to have a chance to win. Nice. And like you said, you definitely know how to do it. Yeah. I can finish off. If I, if I feel all right, I'm fine. You know, uh, I just have to, get, you have to do it. Now, you're the perfect person to ask. There always is a difference between an FKT, particularly on a multi-day route, and even the longest race. And since you have been on the AT three times, indeed, it, it took you to the third try to kind of get your methodology down. Mm-hmm. You're a good person to ask about the difference because I've always noted that you could be the fastest 100-miler there is, and that doesn't mean you're going to do well in a very long multi-day effort. It's a, it's a different game. So. How do you see that? Well, I, with an FKT, you're you're racing the clock, right? You're not really – you can say you're racing another guy's time, and, and you are. You're racing a time, but you're out there alone. And especially for – you know, I haven't done short FKT stuff. I've always gone for the Big Daddy with TAT or the Pony Express or something. So I always look at it like you just have to stay positive and take it day by day, you know, uh, for the long ones anyway. Um, in a 100-mile race, you can be the best 100-mile runner on earth. You can be a Killing Journey or a Jim Walmsley, the guys that are super-duper fast now, 
Um, but that doesn't necessarily translate to a 35 day on the AT. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's very, very different. And I learned that. I learned the hard way. Um, and Buzz, you know, obviously when I did my first attempt in AT, uh, you were involved a little and, and, uh, I, I like to learn the hard way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't take too much advice from too many people. I just, you know, in, took it in. I don't know if I really, if it's soaked in. Um, but I, I kind of, I like to learn it the hard way, unfortunately. Well, Carl, thank you for saying that. I, I was almost <laughs> taking it personally, but now I know that I wasn't the only person's advice you ignored. You ignored everyone else's, so I feel better about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it is funny because they're like, put this together, and I was like, okay, you know, and I'll do it what I think is right. And we learn from our mistakes, and yeah, it took me three times to, to sort of get it right. And my run still wasn't on the AT. It still was not was not really, um, you know, like every, most people that had, or everyone who had the FKT before Corel now, um, we all had issues. Jen had issues. Scott had issues. I had issues a number of times. Um, Harvey Lewis, who tried, he had issues. Um, Corel didn't. Um, I talked to, I spoke with him afterwards. I know that you guys have spoken with him too. Um, yes. He told me he really didn't have a bad day, you know, and that's like, if wow. I wouldn't have had yeah, and if I wouldn't have had any bad days at all, it wouldn't have been forty-one something. It probably would have been forty-three something. So it's just it's just how it clicks, you know. Right. Um, you know, with right. those things are, I know how to do that again too. But again, I'm older, so people ask me if I'll go again, and I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing it again. Um, I am hiking the long trail, and yep. um, yeah, we just went with a friend for two hundred seventy-three miles, and that's sort of a scoping effort to think to or list to see whether I think I have a chance at the unsupported. Which I don't know if I do or not. I sort of want to feel it out a little bit to get an idea whether I'm going to spend my effort on even trying. Right. But um, that's one of the reasons I'm going um, to do that too. Nice. Well, that's a, this is, is really interesting because you tried once and you know, you're, you know, extremely good ultra runner on the AT, your first attempt, but the methodology, you know, the crewing, you know, how to mm-hmm. take care of your feet, you know, you didn't know that. The second time, my personal opinion, I don't think you were entirely committed. You know, I'm not sure if mm-hmm. you really had, you know, the, the, the gut like commitment, but then in between you went out there with Scott. And you saw Scott and Jenny, and, and as they said, they wanted an adventure. They were out there just mm-hmm. doing their thing. But you also could see that they were losing chunks of time and that those 10 to 15 minutes, you know, every few hours was adding up. And I think you saw how you could better that time just by relentless forward motion. Yeah, it's, it really is about um – Scott wasn't very efficient. And when I first showed up, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to jump in and say, do this, do that, which I didn't do. I don't think I did that. Um, I wanted to sort of let him do his thing and then kind of, then sort of help after I sort of watched what he was doing, at least after a couple of days. Um, but yeah, he wasn't very efficient. And, and I, I didn't go there to learn from him either. I kind of went there just to help, you know, just to like, I figured that me taking over the logistics since I've driven the trail a number of times and I know every single trailhead where all the stores are, all that kind of stuff. Um, that was helpful to him. You know, I wasn't cooking his meals. <laughs> Obviously, that's a problem for me to cook him cheeseburgers. <laughs> you know, so I, I did. I learned from Scott, but I also um, I learned a lot from just myself doing. Uh, I learned a lot about myself on the second time through. You're right. I wasn't really. I, I wanted to go into 2014 to do it. I don't think I, I did not have the right crew people to start. And what happened with that is, you know, I, I will say that I was committed, but 
I wasn't in that great of shape when I started because I had some issues before the race started. I dropped out of Western that year, I think it was, and I wasn't really super fit. Um, but, you know, I, I went, and I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm sort of committed to starting. So I went, and then some crew things got just kind of a mess. And when a crew doesn't get along, it reflects on your runner, uh, regardless of who that is. And the runner, right. they may think the runner sees it, but I'm, I'm, I can assure them that I saw everything, you know. Um so that hurt, that worked against me mentally a little bit. And then I think when I started to fall behind, my body just wasn't really responding in, in the central part of the states where I should have been able to do more miles per day, just another five or six per day. I should have been able to do that, but I just wasn't getting it done. You know, um, that was discouraging. And then, um, finally I just, I was just over it. I'm like, I'm done spending money on my own money on this crap. I'm out of here. Um, and it was, it was a mental, um, of course, on the drive home, you know, you think about what you could have done and all that. But, you know, and I never said I'd go back after that. But then I had the opportunity to do it um, sort of my way, but with also a lot more knowledge in the bank, you know, and say, hey, I'm going to go do one more recon, just scoping it and scoping it and with my crew. And I'm going to recon all of Maine. When I reconned all of Maine, I did six days in Maine, just the way I would start six days doing the record attempt. So that was the first six days, six days, I was super comfortable with what I had ahead of me walking through Maine on the AT by myself. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you for that explanation. That's a good explanation. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. clarifying that. And you went back uh, September 2016, and you got it done. That's, uh, I mean, the AT is one of the iconic preeminent trails in the world now. And so you were the FKT holder. And then a person, I think, you admire, and we all do, is String Bean. Yeah. The next year, Joe McConaughey came back and self-supported, which means he's mm-hmm. carrying all his own gear and camping out oftentimes, cooking his own food, et cetera, et cetera. And he took a day, not quite a day off of it. And close I, enough. <laughs> close enough. And during the yeah. FKT of the year Voting. This is all private voting, but if I may say, you emailed me something saying, if he doesn't win, I'm not going to participate anymore. <laughs> I mean, you, you felt strongly about Joe's achievement. Well, I just think it's, you know, what I sort of saw it as, why can't someone do it self-supported just about as fast as supported? I sort of felt that way in my head. Not that I was going to try it self-supported like that, but... um the thing is, it's, it's, it is so much about efficiency and we'll talk about Corel in just a second, but you know, Joe, he was on the trail. So once he's on the trail and he, instead of stopping at point B or whatever, some road crossing, it's 630 in the evening because you have a 20 mile section without crew support. He just keeps walking. So yeah. he just keeps going until whatever time was eight or nine. Even if, even if it was two more hours, that is seven more miles, which is a huge amount. Corell ends up doing the same method as Joe, yet he has the crew in between. So that's like the, that's like the next level of like efficiency, you know? And right. I sort of know, knew that that is, I totally knew that in my head. I just didn't want to accept the fact that, well, okay, tonight give me my overnight pack. I want to go in, you know, an extra six miles or whatever. I didn't do that. I did it one night, then I ended up blowing up the next day. But, um, you know, that's how you really have to break records and records on really long trails like that. That's how it's going to have to be. And know that Joe, you know, Joe slept, he slept enough, you know, um, Carell slept enough. I slept more than all those guys, probably. Um, I slept eight hours a night when I was on the AT. Oh, that's good. 
It was solid. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was out the door in 30 minutes and I was in bed in 30 minutes every time I get back. So it was very nice. efficient. That's nice. Very efficient, like going and sleeping on the trail. And that was my demise, if you want to call it that. Even though I got the record, I did get it done, but all most of that came from, you know, the last day. Jen Far didn't do that. So like, that's what hurt her. I think when she bought the FKT, she, you know, her days were short. Scott pushed like, Death March from Hell <laughs> um, through all of Maine and New Hampshire. Um, and he got it done. Uh, but, but then we saw Joe and Carell and both those guys he got it done much more efficiently and, um, obviously much faster. Right. Well, Carol did just demonstrated. Now here's the textbook. If anyone wants to do any long trail, they just need to do what he did in terms mm-hmm. of he got up and got out of bed in the morning and he kept moving and then he got into his crew early and ate, drank and slept. So he had, you know, hydration yeah. and calories and sleep in the bank while mm-hmm. never going onto the rivet. And that was, uh, that was well done. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is I, I like to get up early and finish early routine. Jurek would get up and mumble around for an hour and then like, sorry scott and then uh (laughs) then um you know then he he, scott kind of came alive at night actually but 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 again it was sort of i really thought that that was biting into his his sleep time because he'd go to bed at 11 or 12 sometimes one o'clock oh yeah he would want to get up till six or seven in the morning and which is understandable but i mean my my method is like get up early get it done go home early you know Right. Um, I think that's the best way to do it. If there's a way to do it. I think that's much better. It works with daylight better too. These body systems. Well, uh, we've had Scott. Scott was one of our early guests on the fastest mm-hmm. known podcast and Carol Sabe was on, uh, a month or two ago. So definitely go to the website and check out the previous editions of the podcast and go to the website and click on roots in the upper left hand menu bar and type in Appalachian Trail and there's everybody. There's you, Scott mm-hmm. Pete Palmer, David Horton. Um so it's a it's an illustrious list and so you can check it all out on the website. It's kind of fun. It's a pretty good honor to be that part of that list, you know, just to be on the list is awesome. I mean that was always sort of my dream to just do it, you know, and I'm fortunate to have I've done what I've done, but it's a pretty pretty ex- extreme list right there. That's it's, it's, a, it's a highly qualified list, Carl. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, shifting gears here a little bit. So, what? How are you seeing? How are you seeing this the sport evolve? And I could, you can go with ultra running, which you know the most about. But what do you think about FKTs? So, for example, as you know, we don't we meaning fastestknowntime.com does not make value judgments. So however someone does it, whatever style they use, they just disclose it. They are honest. We report it. And then people evaluate it how they may. And what you've seen here in the past couple of years is a race level support with Francois Dayan, who, by the way, just won that race in uh, Madeira Island, an extraordinary ultra runner. And he had mm-hmm. people the whole time on the John Muir Trail. It's a race type level of support. And then mm-hmm. we have people like Streaming and and uh, actually a fellow named Jeff Garmier, who just set the record on the uh, Arizona Trail, self-supported, broke the supported record. So how yeah. are you seeing this? What do you like in Carl? Well, I like I like I really do like the self-support thing, especially the AZT. I mean, that's another example of what Stringbean did. It's just more efficient. You know, it's just if you can handle being by yourself like that, 
which I could, um, I think I could anyway. It's just, it's just more efficient to keep moving forward. You know, mm. you cannot, you cannot bank time by thinking you're going to run fast and then just sit back. It just doesn't work that way. I don't think with these extra long, extra days type of FKTs. Um, I, I like the way the sport's evolving. I think sometimes, um, to be honest, I think some of the FKTs that we see, I mean, Strava, everybody's on Strava, right? Except me. But um, I just, I I just couldn't get my damn thing to pair, so I've had enough of that. But at any rate, um, I look like Casio watch, you know, my F91. But, um, but the bottom line is, I think with Strava, you know, everybody's on there. Everybody's seeing what other people are doing, how fast they're running up here or doing this route or whatever. Um, I think it's really cool that we have these tools to track each other. Um, so that's, you know, but then getting to the FKT, I think sometimes... You know, there's some FKTs are sort of like, well, I ran, you know, I rode my bike up the snowbird, ran to the top, rode back down. You know, it's sort of like some of them are sort of, yeah, I don't who know. Who cares? Like, yeah. who cares? Like, really? Okay. I, you know, but I mean, the, right. of course, any big trails, classic routes, any of that stuff, um, you know, Grand Canyon, all that kind of stuff, that stuff is iconic. Um, it's awesome to see people chasing it. The women on the Grand Canyon this year after when San Francisco was canceled. How cool was that? Instead, right. of, instead of them saving their energy or whatever for some other race in, in some other country, they shot down to the Grand Canyon to try to, to crush that. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, nice. Yeah, I did. I think that was really neat. And then, you know, the iconic trails, the AT, the PCT, all those are Colorado Trail. Those are all classics. I just think sometimes it's, it's sort of, for me to really think it's legit, and that's just my personal opinion, but it has to be some type of iconic trail that, other people have gone after, you know, I, you can say that I set the FKT on the Pony Express trail. Well, no one else has run the Pony Express trail and you set the OKT. Yeah. The OKT. So oh, no one else has done it. And that route is so, um, all over the place, you know, I mean, you can't really follow the exact Pony Express because it goes across private land and all kinds of stuff like that. So, um, that was sort of, I would never, I would never call the Pony Express an FKT. I mean, I did 53 miles a day. It was easy for me to do that. Um, I, every day I ran for under 10 hours to do that mileage. So it was pretty simple. I mean, I drank beer after I was done. I woke up at seven o'clock and I ran until five. And I, <laughs> All right. So, that's, so it was a lot easier. Yeah. Well, that's how that's I did good. it, you know. Um, that's a good distinction. So it's not a trail. It's a route. And so you can't really have an FKT on a, on a, just a plain route because the other person can take a different route. And that's been a little bit of a bugaboo, by the way, with the triple crown of through hiking vis-a-vis an FKT because the CDT, the Continental Divide Trail, is not thoroughly defined. Now, if you, if you take one step off the AT, you know, someone's going to have your butt. I mean, those people back east, they're on it. The PCT, you know, a little bit closer, but the CDT, you can't. There's just many options. And so we've withheld FKTs on that for that particular reason that you cited on the Pony Express route. So yeah, that's just like, again, the route wise, the CDT, I didn't know that actually wasn't a really perfectly designed route or defined route. Um, again, the AT, if you take a, you go take the weather route around when someone's peak, they're going to get on your case about that. And it's big really time. A difference. Totally big time. But, uh, it's, I think the trail should be, it should be a defined trail. And, and, and to use an example of this, I don't know if I don't mean this in a bad way, but Darcy went the wrong way, right? Or took the slightly different wrong way the last mile or something on the JMT, right? 
I mean, there's no doubt that that record was was her. She got it, all that. But it's, you know, there's the nitpickers out there that say, well, that wasn't right. I mean, I'm not the nitpicker. I say she got it. But it was really hard to, uh, it's hard to explain that kind of stuff. You know, it's like, this is out in the mountains and trails and like, things happen like that. Um, it's one thing if you cut a corner and cut switchbacks. But the other thing is like, I, I just think the trail should be, it should have a defined route. And then, you know, little mistakes that get made are, rectified Darcy was our guest on last yeah. week's podcast so oh, nice. uh, we actually talked about that particular issue and it was, it was a very good example uh, and it's tightened up since then like you said Darcy definitely was going to get it no matter what she could have crawled on her hands and knees and gotten under the previous time right. uh, so that was not the issue and her spirit and her, her integrity as a person was never questioned she just did the logical drop into Yosemite Valley, which happened to be on the Mist Trail instead of the John Muir Trail. There's a fork right there, and it's um, counterintuitive to take the John Muir Fork. So that was that, was that and it's like, darn, don't do it again. That's how we left that one. So nowadays, it's so clear, the JMT is so competitive, that when Francois went there last year, he knew this. Mm-hmm. He was alerted. He knew his crew knew, and so they took the correct route. So I think the whole FKT thing with professional runners doing it is naturally has a little bit higher standards, so it's a level playing field. Yeah, and I think in Francois having you know that much crew support is is a whole other level too. Like, what if I was on the AT and someone carried all my gear the whole time? You know, even my water bottle. We're talking. You know, we could be. It could get so out of control that. If you had the amount of people that could support you, it would be easier, you know. Um, I like the fact that people carry their own stuff. Um, <laughs> right. I, never, I, never, I don't know. I'm getting changing the subject here, but I, when I was on the AT, I carried my own water bottles. Even if I had somebody with me, I carried my own damn bottles, you know, um, mm-hmm. and my own food. It wasn't like asking someone to hand me, you know, every now and then Scott Jerk would hand me a cinnamon bun or something. But, <laughs> but you know, besides that little stuff, um, I like people. No muling. No, no real mule, no real muling. Um, there's a lot of muling that goes on out there in, in races and things and not as much in the front of the pack, probably because people are moving faster, but in the back of the pack, it's happening all the time. And that's okay. It's just, it's what it is, you know, it doesn't really mm-hmm. for me much, but I think when you're really racing for the big prize, then there needs to be like standards of like, whether it's no muling or Pacers or whatever, um, there should be a standard. And that applies to the FKT as well. Right. Well, we have different styles, supported, self-supported, and unsupported. And all, we don't encourage anyone. So we have people writing us, by the way, all the time. Like probably six emails per day. Wow. Either root submissions, FKT submissions, or questions. And a lot of times it's questions about uh, self-supported or unsupported because they, they want to be, you know, unsupported and say, well, what happens if I you know, accept water from my friend? Right. And Peter Backwin, who is our wizard behind the curtain, his, his position is, I think it's very helpful. Do what's right for you. Right. <laughs> you know, don't try to achieve. It's, it's not really about achieving something. It's doing what's logical, doing it feels correct to you, and then reporting it honestly and accurately. 
So make the choice, the good choice first, and then let it fall into whatever category it needs to fall into. And then like you say, when you get to the iconic ones, like the AT and the JM tree and rim to rim to rim, don't mess it up. Yeah, because, I mean, <laughs> yeah, don't mess those up because people are watching. And so you don't want to cut so much as cut a switch back on stuff, something like that. What's up for you? I mean, I was reading your, uh, your, your, your quick report from your last AT and you said next time you will be a through hiker. Next time you're going to go back and just hike it and smell the flowers. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to do that. I, I find that hard <laughs> to believe. And so when you said you're going to go scout the long trail, that made more sense to me. Is that, yeah. is that what it's looking like now? Well, here's, here's my thing. Um, I, I don't, I don't ever see myself going after a big FKT with that ever again. I'm just, I think it was too old slow um but that doesn't mean i'm going to enjoy the trail the long trail thing is um it's just an idea i was looking at the fkt site and i was looking to see what's the record on the long trail and i know it's john basham i know that it's four days and 17 or something like that very very fast um and i know how hard the trail is so but i looked at the unsupported and the self-supported and the one that was six days and 17 hours and maybe maybe this has changed since the last time i looked but i was like you know I might be an old man, but I think maybe I can squeeze that out, you know? Whoa, whoa, Carl, you shouldn't have said this because now you're publicizing. You know, someone's going to come and poach this. uh, (laughs) (laughs) You're totally right. (laughs) You're totally right. So JB has four days, 12 hours hours. for supported, but Travis Wildebar is six days, 17 hours. That's a huge gap. You could bridge that gap. I think so. I think, I think I, w- I was reading his report too. I read that report actually. So I actually don't do this much investigation usually, but, uh, but I did. I read his report and I was like, third, first day, 39 miles, second, like 36. I'm like, I've done that in Maine and New Hampshire over the junk, you know, and that's, and it's the northern part of the LT, I believe is very similar to New Hampshire and Maine. So, and I haven't done it. So my idea, my buddy Eric Bells and I, the guy in the beard with the, in the movie, made to be broken. Um, Bells wants to go for, he and I just want to go for a long hike. So let's go do the long trail. That way I'll get a look at everything. You know, I know it's south of Sherburn Pass, but north of that, I don't know it. I've never been on it really. So let's go scope it out. Let's both use very, very light gear. So Bells and I are both going to have our own stuff. Um, even we're not going to share anything and we're going to go as light as possible and see how light I can really go and then see what it feels like. And nice. if it's not for me, then it's okay. It's not for me. We're not going to walk for, you know, 40 miles a day. We're just going to walk like 12 or 15 miles a day. It's really about the setup and the breakdown of like the, the stopping, you know? Um, yeah, that's, that's a great idea. Learn. That's what I want to learn. So we're going to enjoy it and smell the flowers. Um, but at the same time, um, sort of learn from it and try to gain some knowledge about it. Uh, and then I'll decide next year whether I want to do something. Um, we'll see. I mean, I'm again, I'm sort of, I've been playing a lot of golf, Buzz. <laughs> I played 35 rounds of golf this year already. And, and, uh, I love it. And I just sort of like, I'm on the, I'm on sort of the, obviously the back end of my career. I mean, I still do run as a pro. Um, I'm certainly not as fast as some of the other guys. I guess I've just been around for a long time, but, and it's wonderful to have the support from Hoka and from all the companies that I've run for over the years. But, you know, there's going to come a time eventually when it all ends. And, uh, and I'm going to accept that. I just want to make sure that I'm still, you know, fit and in good shape and enjoying what I like to do. 
And I think that's what's most important is that I go out and do what I want to do. You know, I want to be forced to feel like I have to run into my sixties just to pay the bill, you know, um, that won't happen anyway. So, um, I'm not too concerned about that, but it's just, uh, it's just an honor to be where I'm at. At age 51, to still say I'm a pro runner is like, you know, how many baseball players can say that? Zero. You know, only golfers go into their later age, I think, and at a high level in their sport. So it's pretty cool and, to do what I'm doing. And you know who just made the biggest comeback in sports history. So, right. Carl, your words of wisdom were extremely eloquent. So I, I'm definitely going to go back and re-listen to this and write these down. That was that was that was a good speech, Carl. I'm 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 impressed. That was well done. Well, thanks, Buzz. I I've done a lot of podcasts. I've done a lot of stuff with uh, Ian Corliss, you know, and and I've learned, I think, over the years, just how to. You know, I'm not trying to say anything here. I'm just saying, like, you know, I've done a lot, so I've learned how to not try not to talk over anyone and things like that, and and just be informative to people that are listening. You know, I mean, I might throw in a couple tidbits of information that's, that really sticks to somebody and that's what matters. You know, I mean, that's what, that's what rings the bell for some people. So I can help anybody out there, whether it's from, I don't know, coaching or running or just some simple advice on a certain race. I'm more than happy to do it at any time. Okay. Wonderfully said. And please give us, uh, please send me a private note if you want after the long trail this summer. And we look forward to staying in touch, Carl. Awesome, Buzz. It's really great to have, great to be on the IFKT show. Thanks for having me. You got it.